Will you stand with me as you find Mark chapter 6, starting at verse 30. The message today is making room for more. Mark chapter 6, starting at verse 30. If you're using that red Bible, it's page 625. Mark writes this. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told them all they had done and taught. Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Verse 35, late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what? They asked. We'd have to work months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. Verse 38, well, how much bread do you have? He asked, go find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. They came back um, and Jesus told the disciples, verse 39, Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish. He looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so that they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and women, men and their families were fed from those loaves. We thank the Lord for his word. Let's be seated together. I have a picture for you of, uh, of this is me eating fish lunch. Now, this is what happens when you're, when you're with your wife and you, um, you get to the restaurant and say, I need to go to the restaurant. I need to go to the restroom as we sit down. And then the waitress comes while you're in the restroom and she orders for you. That's that's what you get on your plate. Lesson learned. Stay until the meal has been ordered. But of course, everyone knows you need to kiss your fish. So um, there we are. All right. That's at the Sea of Galilee, which is pretty cool. Uh, experience for us. But the feeding of 5,000 is the only miracle of Jesus recorded in all four Gospels. What does that tell you? It tells me it's important. It has layers and layers of implications, right? Jesus is provider. Jesus, the bread of life. Jesus, who has command over the natural realm. Jesus is the same God who provided uh, 40 years of daily manna to the Israelites in the wilderness some 1,500 years earlier. It's a dramatic, it's a sensational It's an outstanding miracle. And just so you know, God still does miracles and even food multiplying. I have a story I can tell you sometime when we have more time. Everything Jesus did seemed to go viral in those days. Right? He, um, you know, but by that I mean actual crowds gathered, not just virtual crowds clicking like on Facebook. I mean, people actually showed up to see him. And I always wonder about the disciples. What, What was this experience like? For the, for the apostles, for the disciples. Um, because remember, even though Jesus taught the crowds and performed many miracles, much of his time, maybe most of his time, was given to teach and to equip the apostles themselves. 
and I believe this event was for their benefit and for our benefit, maybe even more than it was for the immediate benefit of feeding those 5,000 people plus women and children. And the first thing that Jesus, I believe, was teaching to his disciples is that he is a compassionate God. I want you to look there, verse 34, with me. The disciples are with him, and uh, they've, the plan is to, to go off and have a little rest, right? And verse 34 says, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Friends, Jesus loves the lost and the hungry. Jesus loves the lost and the hungry. Let me tell you this. This may be a little bit of an extreme example, but if you find yourself downtown Fresno in the tower or someplace and you're bumping into people going living with homelessness or people in great need, and if you're kind of disgusted, that's not the heart of Jesus. Jesus loves the lost and the hungry. That's who he cares for. Now, but what about the disciples? I mean, this big crowd is a major interruption to their plans. You know, think about it this way. Jesus had sent them out to minister. You can read about it earlier in the, in the very same chapter, chapter 6, starting at verse 7. And things had gone really, really well, right? Preaching the good news, healing people, casting out demonic spirits. It was awesome. And they come back to Jesus and they want to tell him all about it and do a major debrief. And you just going to go into the whole thing. They're just surrounded by these crowds that just keep coming and coming and coming and won't leave them alone. Verse 31 says they didn't even have time to stop for dinner. I mean, this is a crazy scenario. So they haven't had a chance to eat. They're overwhelmed and the, just, the waves of need just keep pressing in. And they're exhausted. Jesus said, look, let's get some time away, guys. We, we need a rest. And uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced that kind of sense of like, whoa, um, you know, you're pushing and pushing and life just, it's good, but you just need a rest. You just need a break because life can be relentless, right? I mean, it just sort of kind of seems to keep going, going and going and going. There's just never a shortage of needs and good deeds. And the disciples had to have been thinking, we just need a day off, Jesus. We need a day off. And Jesus then stops to care for this persistent, lost, and hungry crowd. And the disciples, I think, could easily have felt resentment. And maybe they did a little. I, it doesn't say. But Jesus himself said, you can read it elsewhere earlier in Mark, Mark chapter 2. Jesus said, I've come not to call those who think they are righteous, but to call those who are sinners. Jesus didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. Didn't, Jesus didn't come for the people who've got it all together. He come for the, came for those who know they have needs. That's why he died on the cross and he rose again. To save those who can admit that they're sinners and in need of saving. We've sang a lot about it this morning. And whatever you are experiencing today, I, I want to tell you, Jesus wants to meet your need. He's willing and he's ready to do so. Because that's the God he is. He loves the lost and the hundred. He's a compassionate God. And the catch is we've got to be willing to admit our own need and receive from him. So that's the kind of God he's, he is. That's what he's teaching us. But you've got to look what happens next. Um, because, uh, you know, the disciples report that people need to eat. And then you see this in verse 37. Jesus said, 
Well, you feed them. You feed them. Now, Jesus, you can note it this way if you're following in the outline. Jesus has delegated his followers to love and serve the lost and hungry. That includes you and me. Jesus has delegated his followers to love and serve the lost and hungry. You feed them. With what? They ask. We'd have to have to work for months to get enough money to do this. And then Jesus has a gracious way of going about it. Jesus provides the bread. But it's our task to distribute it physically and sometimes, I mean, spiritually and sometimes physically as well. Jesus provides, but we distribute. For example, when I speak to you on a Sunday, when I prepare through the week and I and I show up here, all that I'm doing is taking the living bread. This is nothing that you don't have yourself, but all I'm doing is taking the living bread and essentially putting it on a plate in a way that makes it easy to consume. Right. Or when you serve in children's church or when you serve in Awana or youth group, you are helping to distribute the bread of life. Right. Those of you who lead a Bible study connection group or a midweek connection group, you are helping to distribute the bread. You know, when you slow down to visit meaningfully with a neighbor or a coworker, That's helping to distribute the living bread that's feeding people. One of the big reasons we're adding this second service starting next week is so that we can do a better job of distributing the bread to more people. You have a second option to which you can invite someone. Um, also, those who teach in children's church or serve in the nursery or toddlers I get to be a part of what's happening Sundays without missing a month at a time. I had someone share with my wife um, last week. She just said, I'm, I'm so happy for two services now. I don't have to miss big chunks what goes on on Sunday as I serve in, in children's ministry. She can actually keep serving and be a part of the life of the church. We're distributing the bread of life. The apostles got the message. You feed them, Jesus says. And in their case, it meant, get this, it meant going from this great ministry they'd had of preaching and healing and, and demonic deliverance to waiting tables. They go from the stage to the kitchen. I don't know if that was hard for them. I wonder if that was part of Jesus' reminder that leaders are servants. Now, our problem may actually be the opposite. We're happy to work in the kitchen, but we're not always willing to preach the gospel and heal the sick and cast out demons. It's all of the above, both and. That's how the gospel works. Jesus you know, if Jesus has delegated the business of feeding the people, does he tell us how to do that? Is there any clue in here? Well, he does. Look at verses 39 to 40 with me. Verse 39. How much bread do you have? He asked. Well, go and find out. And they came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus, um, Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Right. You get this group thing going on. Why is this necessary? It's necessary because smaller groups make care possible. Smaller groups make care possible. Almost 25 years ago, I spent a summer in London, England, doing radio missionary work. And my job as the summer intern included a lot of tea making. And I tell you, I can make a wicked cup of tea. Uh, but it also included attending a music festival called Greenbelt. Anybody ever heard of the big music festival called Greenbelt? It's a big deal over there. Trust me. It's huge. Oh, yeah. 
I was a big star. No, um, I was there on a press pass to do interviews, to attend, you know, the press conferences and stuff. Like, okay, I'm going to date myself a little bit. Some of you think I'm only 30 now, but I'm actually more than that. Um, Steve Taylor and Phil Kage and uh, Violet Burning. I don't know if anybody, you know, they were all kind of a big deal back in 1991. All right. Just trust me on that. Glory days, I know. But uh, on Sunday, on that Sunday morning, I helped serve communion, right? Right out there in the open on the green grass. And it, it felt exactly what it must have felt like at the feeding of the 5,000. People were told to get into groups. And then we servers went kind of from group to group distributing juice and bread. Now get this. Instinctively, every group that was kind of forming, kind of self-forming, every group that self-formed got into a circle. None of them formed like we're doing right now, where one person's in front and there's a bunch of rows and you're looking at the back of other people's heads. Some backs of heads look better than others. Um, that's why I stand this way, because you don't want to see this back here. And, uh, and, but instinctively, all the groups gathered in circles. When people experience communion or fellowship, they want to face each other in a circle. Right? This this coming Thursday, my, my home group is, is launching, my home connection group is launching, and we're going to sit in the living room and I'm basically in a circle because it wouldn't make sense for us to sit in rows. We want fellowship. Smaller groups make a lot of things more effective. Right? A teacher would rather have 20 students in a classroom than 200. A waiter would rather serve a table of four than a table of 40. A, a 12-step group of 15 is way better than a group of 150. In any setting where people need care and service, a smaller setting is better. Not necessarily more efficient, but it's more effective. That's why this is so important to us. Now, I want you to think about this. That's an example. When a church member loses a loved one, and we've walked through that now this week, uh, I believe the church needs to mobilize to help. Maybe with meals or childcare or, or laundry or whatever is needed. And frankly, it doesn't happen very well if you're not already really well connected. And a number of you are really well connected. You've got relatives and people that you've been to church with forever. And so that kind of takes care of itself. But if you're not well connected, how is that going to happen? Well, you need a, a, a small group where that can immediately jump in and mobilize and, and get, get the ministry done. Now, as a church... Let's again back to a little bit of housekeeping here. But as a church, we've averaged a Sunday attendance of 252 people for both of the past two years. Now, that's better than 2012 and better than 2013. And that's great. But Jesus said, I will build my church. Jesus did not say, I will plateau my church and just keep it there. He said, I'm going to build my church. And when a church is healthy and well-led and well-fed, and if there are still people around us who need to meet Jesus, there's no reason for the church not to grow. One of these you know, ways that we get healthy and well-led is through smaller settings where we can learn and grow and be real with each other. Connection groups, Bible studies, Sunday classes, etc. We also create more options for public worship. But, uh, you know, because that also has the potential, believe it or not, to make a more effective connection with one another. And so that's important, these smaller settings. They, they create some accountability, which might be scary for you, right? As long as I never have to open up to anyone anywhere, I can pack my closets full of skeletons. That works just quite fine. And then on occasion, one or two of those skeletons tumble out, but in a bigger group, probably nobody notices. 
and, uh, and so we can, you know, kind of, or maybe they don't care, right? But when we allow that kind of unhealthy behavior to continue in our lives and in our church, we simply don't get free of the past, free of sin, free of hurt, free of pain, dysfunction, free of conflict, free of brokenness. You know, it's a lot like sweeping a cat. Well, it's like sweeping a dead cat under the rug. You can't see it, but it smells bad and it keeps tripping you up. You can just think about that image for a little bit. And all you animal lovers, you go ahead and register me with PETA or whoever's going to take care of that. Look, that's what happens when you don't deal with your problems. That's what happens when you don't find a place to get some health and healing. Stuff doesn't just go away. Time does not heal all wounds. That is such a myth. Let's get over that. Love can heal. Care can heal. Jesus can heal. And you need a place to be able to do that. Smaller settings can also be a whole lot of fun, like, um, well, occasional events or tasks. Uh, we have the couples night out coming up um, February 11th, and I believe ticket sales are going to be on that back table today. I'm going to tell you this right now. Tickets are limited. When they're gone, they're gone. And we have a, um, I forget his like big long title, but we have like an actual like super certified chef who's volunteering to cook the meal for us, met with him yesterday. Oh my goodness, you've got to get your ticket. Because when they're gone, they're gone. We have 96 spots for couples. So you, you got to, it's couples night out. Um, you got to come to that. It's going to be really, really good. I saw the menu yesterday. My, like right now, my stomach is like curling, just like thinking about it. Okay, by the way, dividing 5,000 men and and plus the women and children into groups of 50 or 100 meant there could have been as many as 250 groups or more. Just just think about that, right? So many people would have had to jump up and join in the feeding because the 12 apostles are not going to have been able to get to everybody on their own. They're, they were probably taking the bread from Jesus and just handing it to volunteers as, as they came forward to pass it out to others. And I just want to remind you that a handful of pastors and church leaders cannot and should not and must not do all the feeding. We equip you to feed yourself and to feed one another as you gather in smaller settings. Well, I think I've made my point. Finally, I want to remind you of the heart of Jesus in this whole story. I want you to look again at verses 41 and 42. Jesus, verse 41, Jesus took the five loaves and two fish and he looked up toward heaven. He blessed them. Uh, it's, a, it's a great example why we why we pray at mealtimes. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. Jesus did not say, here's, here's what I'll do. I'll multiply just enough bread, to, you know, until you get, get by the, you know, the Taco Bell later. He didn't say, hey, be careful. Don't leave any leftovers. There's starving children in Japan. Um, so eat everything, you, you know, clear your plates. Jesus made an all-you-can-eat-and-then-some fish and bread buffet. Think about this. Why did Jesus make more than enough? Why did everybody get as much as they wanted? Not just enough to take the edge off their hunger. As much as they wanted. Do you see the character of Jesus in here? Do you see that compassion, that love, that generosity of him? I don't know if that fits with your experience of Jesus or your impression of him. Or your theology. But Jesus is not stingy. Jesus is generous. And he asks the same of us. 
And he does the same for us. Who do you think got those 12 baskets of leftovers? Not only did Jesus have generous compassion in the crowd, he cared for the disciples. Friends, Jesus loves and he guides his followers. He, he loved his disciples by not embarrassing them. He even sent them home with all that food. You, you know, when you start distributing the living bread, you're going to find you benefit yourself. It feeds you too. When you are, are more than just a consumer. You see, those who only consume never know the, the joy of giving out. Never know the joy of blessing others. Don't be content to just eat. Be a part of it. Be feeding others. And you'll, you'll have more than plenty for yourself. Friends, Jesus is in the multiplication business. That's what he does. He died for you. He took all your sin to the cross. He satisfied the wrath of God the Father. For your sin. But also for every person who has not yet trusted him. Think about this. Jesus didn't just die for the sins of the people that you know and all the nice people around you. Jesus died for every person. Jesus died for every person. I was at the hospital the other day and there was a a couple there that or I think it was probably a father and a I mean a a mother and a son. And and they just looked like life had been really hard on them. And I, I thought, would they be welcome at our church? I mean, they didn't, they didn't look very good, honestly. They didn't look very nice. They weren't dressed nice. They kind of didn't smell nice. Would they be welcomed? Jesus loves each and every one. And we have got to learn to do that, too. We're going to be people who distribute the living bread to others. But how are people going to distribute, you know, receive it if we don't give it out? So, you know, we've um, we've been working hard here to. I'm going to invite the worship team to come join me. We've been working hard to try to get our services to, you know, about an hour so that we'll have good connection time starting next week. So today's your last day. We get to go overtime a little bit. I want to teach you a song that's it's not new. It's a, it's been around for a few years, but. Um, it may be new to you. It's called Multiply Your Love. And uh, as we sing this, I just I invite you to um, do your best to, to join in and sing with me, sing with us. It's not uh, it's not difficult to sing. But Jesus is generous. Jesus is delegating the work of feeding and caring for others. Jesus has taught us how to do that. Look, get into smaller groups and serve each other. And he's generous, he's compassionate, wants us to have the same care for one another. Let me just pray. God, we're so grateful for this, for, that you preserve this account in your word. And Lord, we want to be people who jump up to the ready to help distribute your living bread, to just help distribute you, Jesus, to all the people around us. Would you do that in our lives? We pray. Amen.